Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Mark SD, and we want to give a big shout-out to our newest patron. What? We got a new patron? Simple Joe. <gasps> He's amazing. He's glorious. I know you guys can't see him, but he glows. Yes, thank you so much for becoming a patron and giving us some support. We super appreciate that, guys. And seeing that it is hot as hell in our studio, let's go ahead and bust open a beer. 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 I know normally we wait, but it's just normally, too hot. I know. Normally I critique your choices of beer because I think you have bad taste in beer. No, you no, did, I have great no, taste you, in beer. You did a good one. You got a good we, we're Today we're drinking Sam Samuel Adams Oktoberfest. Yeah, I really like Harding this one too. smooth. I was drinking with Ellie and her father last weekend, mm -hmm. and we were we kind of got blitzed off this stuff, <laughs> but we drank like a lot of I it. I like the I like the summer ale, man. Sam Adams is good, man. I just it's it's I a good one. I think I have some summer ale in the other room too. Ooh, but yeah, but it's it's now it's fall, man. We need it's, we're on our way. Oh to no, fall. the Oktoberfest is probably mm -hmm. one of my favorite. This one and the pumpkin one is really good. Here's to you, Simple Joe. Appreciate you. Cheers. Mmm, that's good. Oh man, that was good. Mmm. All right. Oh, man. All right. Now to some comments. All right. So if you didn't check out our last episode, our last episode was over the Murfreesboro Mud Monster, a Lover's Lane Sasquatch. It was a pretty wild story, though. Yes, We got right. cops losing their guns. We've got, like, people necking. Yeah, with this necking going on in the neighborhood. Who are you going to call? Also, trails of black sludge that may or may not be Sasquatch poop. Murfreesboro Mud Monster. Yeah, that, that's true. There was a lot... I'm surprised more people don't focus on the weird black ooze for that monster. It is very strange. I, I, I find that odd. Sorry, we're going to do some comments for that. So if you haven't checked that episode, I 100% would go over. So Sky C, patron, said, uh, Sharp like a hammer. You guys never fail to make me laugh. Thank you, Sky. We appreciate that so much. I, I like that analogy we, for us. <laughs> we like to keep things hearty, man. We did, do you remember like we, when we first started doing videos and we were just way too serious? Oh and, yeah, yeah. Right. Like it, like our personality started creeping out like a little more. I would say, like as we started making videos back when I was in, I think my freshman year, this kid that sat behind me named Casey Mason, I swear, said the most appropriate thing about me. He's like, Vic, you're the smartest dumb person I've ever met. I would agree with that. <laughs> I 100% would agree with that. Sharp like a hammer. Like like when I like when I think about you sometimes man it's like the wheel's spinning but the hamster's dead. <laughs> <laughs> But Marcus, what's spinning the hammer? <laughs> the hammer. What's spinning the wheel? Uh, you know what? I don't need to respond to that. Just uh, <laughs> like, like right there. Thank you very much. I, thank you for proving. No, no. I'm thank you for proving my point. I'm imagining the wheel standing still and this dead hamster just spinning circles <laughs> in it. <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, Jerry Young said uh, the black the black slime stains the skin, so they touched it. I'm ever involved with a Bigfoot that leaves a trail of black slime. I'm not stinking my fingers in it. Keep in mind, this is some smelly stuff too. That's true, man. I mean, like just like the cops. You know what? I don't understand. Man, these these cops, man, they really just stuck their fingers in some weird black ooze. You know, what we never really thought of like in the last episode, man. But what if what if that Bigfoot just had the runs? No, that, that's one of the possibilities. <laughs> yeah, man, they just stuck their fingers, man, in some you know Sasquatch diarrhea. <laughs> Like I, mean, I, just, I don't think that was the case because the trail went on for a long enough distance that that would be some serious like, diarrhea. That's how you get like some like super hepatitis B. That's super. That's how you get hepatitis S. <laughs> like that's <laughs> so. Didn't even get some gloves. Laughing Fox, uh, patron. Thank you, good Laughing Fox. By the way, uh, everybody's gangster till the slightly larger than average foot pulls out <laughs> the forty. <laughs> I like that. What? I like that. Everybody's. It's like gangster until the slightly average man pulls the gun out. That's that's <laughs> awesome. But as to trekking through the water as a means to escape, this actually is very common behavior among animals, especially ones with no fear of water. Something that considers itself a strong swimmer will swim across water as a means to increasing the energy expenditure of its pursuer in the hopes that they will give up and look for an easier meal. 
If this thing is as comfortable in and around water as it seems, I think we can discount this behavior as proof of higher intelligence. Yep. Yeah. Now I'm right with you. Now I'm now like I said, I, I'm not a scientist, but I've seen the old Planet of the Apes movie, and I'm I'm pretty sure one of the talking apes in that movie said uh, that apes were scared of water. Not all. Definitely, that's not true about all apes, because there are plenty of apes that do rather enjoy water. Now I'm not an expert on primates, but it might be something where it's common, but definitely isn't true of all of them. Well, I think that also might be a big problem, like why they built the fence. You know the so here in the in Evansville we have the Evan, the Evansville Zoo, and when you go in there, there's like this island that's surrounded by water, and there's a fence there that's up that keeps the monkeys on the inside. Do you know why they built that fence there? That's because the monkeys got out, got across the water, <laughs> started running around in the zoo because they they thought that they would be scared of the water and it didn't nope. stop them. They just got out and just started terrorizing people that went to our zoo. So, you know, food, fun for thought there. Uh, I am Sfeel. That's a Pokemon, by the way. Uh, said it's a human slash Bigfoot hybrid that just hangs in the swampy wilderness. Not close enough to humans or Bigfoots in my eyes, so I think that it's a hybrid. Interesting concept because that makes sense on why it would have certain, um, like certain parts of it being more human, like the head and stuff. Uh, another thing is, we if if it's a hominid, there is a possibility of hybridization. Um, it's like even argued. I remember when I was taking my primatology class several years ago. They might have found a way of answering this already, but one of the things they pointed out is that we do we don't know if humans and chimpanzees can hybridize but it would be unethical to ever test it. It was really more of a statement about ethics, but I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you, uh, that's all the comments for this. If you haven't checked out that episode, uh, definitely go out and check it, man. It was a great episode. I had fun. And if you're a patron, you can actually check out the entire police case file uh, from that incident that we put up uh, exclusively for our patrons. So We did the work for you. You so, did the work for him. Well, that's true. I did. I did do the work. It was not. I was trying to give you some credit, but it was not you. It was. It was not you. I mean, I just. You can't find it on your own. I'm just. I'm just. I just made it easier. So, all right, guys. Today we are. It's a great episode because today we are going to talk about one of the most underrated battles. One of the greatest battles of American history. history. Yes, it is. Forget the Battle of New Orleans. It's, yes, it's forget the, Gettysburg. It's all this. The American Revolution pales in comparison to today's topic. We are talking about, of course, the Battle of... I, oh, how did I leave all that? And I can't remember the name. The Battle of A Canyon. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't believe that I just did. I, you even got set up perfectly for I'm it. sorry. That's my bad. The battle. hamsters spinning okay. now? Now, that's not my fault because I'm sorry because everybody calls this stuff totally different things. But yeah. it is the Battle of Ape Canyon. I did find like eight different names for this event. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. We're talking about the Battle of Ape Canyon, a stir in which a couple gold miners were attacked in the middle of the night by a bunch of hairy Sasquatch-like creatures. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Oh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Uh, so a little background uh, information on where exactly that we are at. So we are in, we're talking about Ape Canyon, which is in Washington State. Nick Canyon specifically is the name for the canyon that is a little bit southwest of Mount St. Helens. And if you're not familiar with this area, we're in Washington State, which is Bigfoot country. Absolutely. One of the biggest hotspots for Bigfoot sightings in the in. Probably, I think, the entire North America, I think. Oh, yeah. Easily, easily. So, um, so the the typical story goes, and sorry if you want me to start somewhere else. There we go. So, this was, in the, this was July, and I want to say July 12th. I had a hard time getting this specific day. Yeah. July 12th, 1924. The only thing I'd add is there were a few sightings and reports of Bigfoot-like creatures in the area before that. Yes. But they weren't major incidents. Yes, yes. So there have been sightings of Sasquatch-like creatures that had been in the air before. But these five gold miners, uh, Marion Smith, Roy Smith, Fred Beck, Gabe LaFer, and John Peterson... Uh, were a group of guys that were going that were that was decided that they were going to go up into this particular part of the woods and they were going to try to scout around and find essentially gold was what they were going to do. So they were uh, they they were tracking up into the woods trying to find a good place to be able to to find a place to to prospect for gold mine for gold. And on their way up there, 
they had reported hearing strange noises uh, out in the woods. They had heard weird whistling sounds and thud crashing sounds is what Fred Beck, who's probably like the most vocal out of this whole actual group of pickup guys. And the sound that's, according to them, sounded like someone beating their chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the weird thing that Fred would say, like while he was uh, would, would go on to later talk about it, is he says as they were going up, they would hear um, this whistling sound on one side of the canyon and then hear it uh, on another side of the canyon like someone else is repeating it or calling it back. Like something's talking to each other like out in the wilderness. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like part of me wants to say it's possible that they could have been dealing with an echo. It is a canyon. I don't know, man. The but more at the same time, these people are probably very used to working in canyons. Oh, yeah. And at the time, uh, as they were trekking up there, they had often come upon strange tracks, uh, some of them measuring up to between 18 to 19 inches long. With, see, that'd be what, a size 18 shoe? It's a big, it's a big foot. That's even bigger than our feet. Beyond that, they're very isolated. Like, they had to mm-hmm. take a Ford to get up here. Yes. So, uh, and as they're, as they're tracking up there, they, they find, uh, the spot where they decide that they, that they think that they're going to find, uh, gold. And we're going to get a little bit more. This is generally how the story goes. Some of them kind of break off into some other part of the story for how, for how it goes. But anyway, but, uh, one day, this is around July, uh, Fred and Marion, uh, went to get some water by a creek. Something that we should probably clarify before we go any further is the Miriam Hank thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll <laughs> often hear uh, uh, Fred Beck is probably one of the most vocal uh, guys within that group that continued to talk about this story. And Fred later goes on to actually write a book called I Fought the Eight Men of Mount St. Helens. Great name for a book. It is. Well, I wouldn't really call it a book. It was more of a, it was more of a pamphlet. <laughs> I wish that it, if it was a book, it would be the kind of book that I would want to write a book report back because it's, <laughs> it's, it's only 22 pages. So, And unfortunately, while greatly reviewed on Amazon, uh, is unavailable. However, you can get a transcript from it, and it is a, it's a doozy of a read. But in his book, uh, Fred doesn't actually name anybody else in in uh, in his writings because he says he doesn't want to embarrass these other guys. But if you you actually look up newspaper clippings, you can find stuff for all of these guys. And so, and I'm pretty convinced that from listening to to the newspaper articles, that when Fred refers to Hank in his writings, he's talking about Marion Marion Smith. Uh, so uh, Fred and Marion uh, are going to get some water. They're going to go get some water. And while they're going down to the creek, uh, about 100 yards away from the creek, uh, Marion reportedly saw this Bigfoot, like seven-foot-tall creature, scraggly, hairy creature with dark hair. And he takes a shot at it as it's trying to, like, duck around behind the tree. And... So uh, Fred obviously sees two. They take they take some pot shots at it. They don't hit the thing, but it just takes off running into the woods. I was thinking about this earlier because um, he points out that he saw the bark from each shot coming. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, trees. flying off the tree. But then he says a lot of people claim that I couldn't have spotted that from a hundred yards. That's about three hundred feet, right? Yeah, I don't think that that far. Yeah, I, they're you're in their twenties. Yeah, you know they what you're going to have hit. sharp eyesight. I, I really feel like that's not something that like you could not possibly yeah, see. I, I feel like these guys. I feel like a hundred yards away, you you know what you saw. And so that night, they they sorry after getting the water, they decide to go back. The two of them talk to 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 Roy, Gabe, and John, and they're like, "Holy crap! There's Bigfoot up here." We got to get out of here. There's something up here. So, like, okay, we can't leave now because it's real late. We'll leave in the morning. So, they go to sleep in their little shack thing that they've built. And that night, they're all awoken by, like, Marion screaming and thrashing. (laughs) (laughs) And they start hearing these thudding sounds uh, and these crashing sounds. And and some large bang hits the side of the cabin. They're all woken and they all grab their guns and they're all freaking out. And uh, they the the they start hearing things beating on the side of the the shack, and whenever the things are beating on the side of the shack, apparently it's like denting in the wood, I guess, a little bit, so it allows them it's, to kind of peer bowing. out. Yeah, yeah, it's bowing, so it's allowing them to peer out into the night. So while they're peering out into the night, uh, Fred talks about how that they think that they can make out about three more of these Sasquatch-like creatures that are running around out there. Um, 
that are moving around, but he thinks, I think at one point in his writing, he actually even talks about seeing maybe even up to six of them. And these things are beating against the side of the thing and they're jumping on top of the roof. And then they sound like every single homeowner that's ever had somebody come to their house. Like I only shot because I felt like I was a danger and it was only defensive that I was standing my ground. Like that's what was going on as they're saying that they're shooting literally at the door and at the roof, but only whenever the Bigfoot are actually like, like, Creeping around up there. They're also shooting out of like the slats <laughs> that are now being made. Yeah, from trying the, to catch yeah, shots of them from the from the uh, boards like bowing in. I also like uh, Miriam starts singing like, "Oh God, what what is it? Of uh, if if you leave us be, we'll leave you be, yeah. and we'll all go home in the morning." Yeah, like he starts singing to himself. Like I think at that point, like you, like he. Fred in his writings talks about that. He says that he thinks that it's like something that they seem to make them all go away so that they know that they're not. I think really, honestly, I think he's just soothing himself. So, cause he thinks he's about to die. <laughs> I could see that, but I also thought about two other possible explanations. Mm-hmm. One being, um, singing is kind of a warding action for many supernatural creatures. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and like, say if he's from the Irish tradition, there are several things that you can ward off with that or with singing. My other thought is this, um, Back in the day, we we don't really see this archetype come up much nowadays, but it's basically the root of music soothes the savage beast. This belief that music can calm down that things that are like less advanced than humans and stuff like that. So those are my two thoughts on a possible explanation on why he started singing. But like that idea would definitely have been in the zeitgeist of the 1920s. Oh yeah, and I mean, there's numerous times in which I've heard. Uh, oh, that I, that I heard uh, that it, when we did stuff on Shadow People, that just singing like drives them away. Mm-hmm. But here's the song that he was actually singing: "If you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone, and we'll all go home in the morning." So that was actually the the phrase that he just repeats over and over and over. I want to make sure that I got the actual thing that he was actually saying. So. Uh, at one point during the great battle of Ape Canyon, it, they actually see like people would say, Oh, well maybe it was just people that was messing outside the thing. Maybe it's just like, you know, some teenagers or something that are messing around. Oh no, 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 no. A large hairy arm reaches inside of the cabin through one of the, like the openings, the bowings in the thing and tries to grab an ax, an actual grab an ax to grab a tool. The battlefield has evolved. I know it's like, it's Bigfoot. He's got an axe. What, what's with what's with these Bigfoots getting weapons? Like, cause yeah. last story was Bigfoot gets a gun. Now it's Bigfoot gets an axe. <laughs> well, fortunately, it doesn't quite turn out that way. As he's trying to like pull it out, he turns the axe sideways so it won't fit out through the slat. And then Miriam just like opens up on the guy. <laughs> just <laughs> bam, 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 bam. He's like, "Don't worry, I'm gonna stab him. Don't worry, I got him too." And then he almost <laughs> blows Fred's hand off. Which, by the way, I found out that he never seemed to harbor that much ill will. Like, you know, for somebody, oh, I that, think I think it's one of those things where you kind of understand like, I afterwards. I get. It. I'm making. I'm, okay, right now, if we ever end up going uh, camping out in the woods and I'm being attacked by Bigfoot and I'm nearby, you have full right to shoot it, please. Like, I'm. Yeah, a, I, I'm I, very, I will. I, I will do my best. That. I don't normally travel with a gun though. Just take a just or your bow, whatever you're gonna. I, need. I'm Hurl certain it, I could get it with a bow. your wood cutting axe. I don't care. Just <laughs> you know, the whole time hey, I'm pretty good at hatchet throwing. You know, the whole time that I that I'm hearing this story about them literally just being this these Sasquatch trying to wreck this cab, and I'm starting to think that if I ever go camping, that my little pop up tent's not going to do me any good. No, it will not. <laughs> the The Boy Scouts did not prepare me for Seth <laughs> for murderous Bigfoot coming in the night. Just saying, all the more reason if you see a Bigfoot, you should not shoot first. So because apparently, if you miss, it's coming for you. Also, it might be the mud monster, and he's just going to pull out that gun yeah, that you know that policeman dropped. Yes. It's like, it's like, I'm on my own business. And then I pulled out my gun. <laughs> so, uh, this goes on just intermittently all through the night. They're just being harassed by these things. And then after daybreak, there's sort of like this lull in the battle. And the five men muster all the courage that they have left. And they take a step outside their door to see if the coast is clear. And then it wasn't! <laughs> Because standing right in front of them was a was another Bigfoot. And then they did the responsible thing. They shot it three times and it tumbled off the cliff. Like, didn't even hesitate. They didn't even hesitate. They were like, we just walked out, we saw it, and I was like, and the thing tumbles off. I think years later, didn't Frank go back and try to find the body? Yeah, and he never found it. Nobody ever found it. And so then these five miners are like, 
oh, oh thank God we're, we're alive. And then they just take off down the mountain, leaving all their stuff behind, leaving all their mining gear. They make it down to like. I think I, they said it was like 200 bucks. Yeah, where the gear. stuff. And like that's they like, a lot in that. Yeah, they period. like blasting equipment that that and like that they that they left up there. Uh, and and they go, they have all their food stuff. They go down. They make it down like the park ranger station. And then the park ranger station's like, oh God, here come these guys. And then they just start talking about their story, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And then, well, Miriam had talked previously with the park ranger and mm-hmm. told him about the uh, footprints that they're finding up there. Mm-hmm. And the park ranger was like, "Well, if you ever figure out what left them, come back and tell me." Mm-hmm. Uh, which is so nice of him, just to be like, "Yeah, yeah, if you, ever, if you know what it is, let me know." Yeah. He's just performing his duty. Like back then, like your word was really a big deal. You know, yeah. I'm surprised. Maybe back in the '60s, you're like, "Yeah, maybe you know, 20s, man, maybe Bigfoot's out there." We people have been saying that. So then they all decide that they're going to like keep this amongst themselves and not really talk about it. And then Marion goes, nah, I'm just kidding. Literally just starts blabbing to like yep. all of the local papers. And this ends up in like tons of newspapers that get circulated. And I'll actually put a copy of one of, uh, of an article. I want to say it was from the Oregon journal um, that I found. And that's when the one that when, when you read it and you compare the story from that as compared to like what Fred writes, that's how you can connect. I, I want to say Hank to Marion in Fred's writings because of what he says. Beyond that, they didn't really call them Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Those oh. words weren't in the vernacular at the time. Oh, no, they, they called them uh, devil, devil apes. And mountain devils. Yeah, mountain, mountain devils. That's right, mountain devils. Uh, and one of the weird things that ended up happening after this particular incident was normally, you know, a lot of people end up saying, like, oh, no, we don't believe them. They're actually, like, later, a little bit later in the year, was something called... The great, uh, the great mountain devil hunt or the great ape hunt of 1924, in which a bunch of people with guns trekked all over Ape Canyon, looking for the looking for these things, which they never found. Only they claim they found tracks, but they never actually ended up claiming claiming that they actually found a body or anything. And that's the general story that you will get if you research this. Do you know it's one of the things I like about the story? During 1920, I'm pretty sure none of these miners knew anything about, like, primate behavior. Mm. Yet, these, this isn't too far off from standard primate behavior. Mm. You hear sounding and callback. You hear them, or they're harassing them with stones and things like that. They're trying to display dominance. This sounds like something you'd expect a primate to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, is, this isn't anything that really, like, this is other types of behavior that we've heard from the people. It's not like rock-throwing is not a behavior that we've seen from other types of um, Bigfoot encounters. People claim I'm that they're surprised none of them described like a hellish smell with them, though. Uh, well, I mean, they don't do that in every single Bigfoot encounter. That's true. To be fair, they also really didn't get outside, and they were also pretty far away. They, I mean, based on how people have described the smell, I would assume that with them up on the roof, they should have been able to smell them at that point. <laughs> but maybe they were too zoned in on like just straight up survival. Well, yeah, at that even point. So okay, so one thing that I that I really want to that I want to talk about in this is that I found someone trying to I found someone trying to make a claim as to what they think that really happened. I thought this was interesting. I have not found any of those. Yeah. So it was a William Halliday. He was the director of the Western Speleological. I'm really mad if you say owls. No. Uh, claimed uh, claimed in the 1980s uh, that the miners' assailants were active local youth. Uh, until the eruption of Mount St. Helens, counselors from the YMCA camp uh, nearby of Spirit Lake uh, brought hikers to the canyon's edge and related to tradition that the 1924 incident was actually the result of young campers throwing light pumice stones into the canyon, not realizing there were miners at the bottom. Uh, looking up, the, ca- the miners would have only seen dark uh, moonlit figures throwing stones at their cabin. The narrow walls of the canyon would have served to distort the voices of the YMCA campers enough to frighten the men below. Okay. I've got, I got, I've got some critiques too. The this. first thing I got to say is it's pumice. Oh, pum- I thought it was pumice. I'm pretty. I, okay, listeners, but, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's pumice. That might have been why I got a C minus in geology. Oh, uh, yeah. But one thing I do remember from geology is pumice is super light. Yeah, it's really hard to throw pumice very far. And can you imagine if you're trying to really like impress your buds that you're like, yeah, I'm going to throw this rock off the cliff that you're going to throw like. Pumice. Like, that's the thing you're going to throw. Like, it's, like, essentially like a dried sponge. Another issue with pumice is if they are if they are managing to hit it, 
It's not going to sound like loud bangs. Pumice is, okay, it's a rock, but pumice is mostly air. Yeah. If it, you put pumice in water, it floats. It's like they're being pelted by SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, <laughs> like, 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 that's what they're being pummeled by. It, like, I could see them mistaking that for the sound of rain. The other thing is pumice breaks very easily. Yeah. If you get some pumice, you can just break with your hands. Mm. Like, I think that they would have realized something was up when they're seeing, like, it, like, Hit and then shatter. Yeah, and don't you think that maybe also, too, another thing, part of the story, which, you know, they claim they blasted one, you know, yeah. to Kingdom Come, that maybe then blasting a teenager might have actually ended up in the newspapers as I, well. I would think so, yes. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure the teenagers would have taken off as soon as they started shooting, and, <laughs> instead of somehow descending the cliff and running around on the roof. And really, the bat- I really, because I don't, in my mind, I don't really don't want to see the, ba- the great uh, Battle of Abe Canyon. Was a bunch of just Watch drunk miners that are shooting at a bunch of teenagers throwing pumice off a cliff. I think like, this you, answer is silly. You insult American history <laughs> with this, William. I will not tolerate that. Dare you. I kind of wish the cabin was still there, but unfortunately hmm. they, they tore it down many years ago. No, it burned down. Well, they burnt it down. Yeah, yeah. They removed it themselves. Yeah, right? yeah. No, they, no. No, I thought they removed it themselves. No, they, uh, they eventually what ended up happening, there was a fire, and I want to say that that's what caused it to burn down, and then nobody uh, for a while claims that they could find it. However, there is a group known as Dark Water Paranormal Investigation, which is a paranormal group out of Washington that claims, I want to say a couple of years ago, that they found the campsite. However, here's the caveat. I can't tell you where it is. Oh, boo. <laughs> I know. I, was boo. Just, I just kept going. I'm like, I just, I won't even take you seriously. I'm sorry. Boo. I can't. I was just so. I wonder if it's one of those things where, like, someone owns it now and they had to make an agreement no. or if they're just making it up or they're just being dicks. Uh, that's just, no. Uh, there's, I, I just don't believe it. Who, I, who posted that again? No, it was them. Darkwater's uh, Paranormal. Okay. They, yeah. Darkwater Paranormal. I'm calling you out. Yeah. You evidence. Did. We want proof. We yeah. want proof. Either show us where it is, show us the evidence, or we don't believe you. I'm not tolerating that. That's like saying... Unless someone from Darkwater Paranormal is a patron, and then I apologize for my ill-chosen statements. No, you should do better. <laughs> That's. I'm just, I'm just saying, no, I'm not backing off on that. Don't do that. I'm That's just, terrible. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. So... I, <laughs> so um, that's like saying, like, yeah, I got a Bigfoot body, but... You can't I, see I, it. I, you, can't, <laughs> you can't see it. But it's real. For what it... No, I'm not. I'm not tolerating that. So okay. So, do you want to talk about Fred's book, or no, for what he thinks it is, or do you want to talk me to talk about like why I think that this is real? I think that we should actually. I kind of wanted to get to the um, the skier. What was his name? Do you remember his name? Mm, oh, that was Carter. There, there's a yeah, Jim Carter. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Yeah. This was, I believe, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Carter, was, who's a professional skier, was skiing in that area. Kind of broke away from his group to go take some pictures. And then he just kind of disappears. When they start to track where he went, um, he's making these rapid runs and jumps that no professional skier would ever try to make because they would know that it's extremely dangerous. And they conclude that he must have been trying to escape from something. Mm. And supposedly, they had also found some abnormally large human footprints. And this is pretty close to the same area. Mm. Yeah, I did. End up, yeah, he Fred mentions him a little bit in his book where he talks about the, talks about the skier. I, I just fell way too much into Fred's book. It's, it's, it's pretty good. I, I, I wanted to talk about that. And I guess we can just touch on the fact that during the Mount St. Helena eruption, there were yes. supposedly large groups of big yeah. trying to escape yeah. the area. So... I think these are all things that kind of back it up. Yeah, man. There's a oh man. When did Mount Saint When did Mount Saint Helens erupt? Oh, I don't I don't know off the top of my head. Saint Helens erupt. I want to say seventies, eighties. So yeah, so the Mount Saint Helens erupt in nineteen eighty. Well, yeah, it was in nineteen eighty was was when it was when it erupted. And during that time, whenever it erupts, there was like a massive spike in uh, in Bigfoot sightings at the time. Yeah, there it is. Uh, like, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Like, if you look at like that decade from like reports of Bigfoot, like the only other, like, no other year other than like 1982 even comes close to the year that Mount St. Helens erupts in Washington State for Bigfoot sightings in that particular part of the country. But that just makes a ton of sense. If they're living around that area, then the eruption goes off. Yeah. Their population is dispersed. Yeah, and they're moving. 
Yeah, so they're probably going out in all directions looking for new isolated areas to hang out in mm-hmm. because one thing we know about Bigfoot, he likes to hang out in isolated areas and try to stay elusive. Well, there's a big thing about, like, animals just knowing when something is going to end up happening, like, like when bad things are going on and, like, with weather and stuff, like, they start moving. Here's yeah. one of the weird things. I've seen some studies saying that that's just straight not true. But are you familiar with a coolie loach? What's a coolie loach? We clearly both know that I don't. Okay. <laughs> a coolie loach. Have, maybe you made that one? up. No, they're real. Maybe you've seen one at a pet store or something. It looks like kind of a zebra-striped eel-looking thing, like swimming around in fish tanks. No, this is this is like this sounds like the time to try to dig down a snipe hunt or whatever. That you tell me where to go hunt snipe. <laughs> they're real somewhere, but no. Coolie loaches and many other types of loaches will... It sounds like an STD. It's not an STD. <laughs> you apologize to my Hillstream loaches I'm keeping in the tank out there. I love them, and you are not to badmouth the loaches. That sounds like something you need to take an antibiotic for. I stand by what I said. I'm sorry, you're go right, ahead. As your, your Kelio loach, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Coolie. Coolie loach. Coo- sorry, your coochie loach. Okay. I'm sorry. Coolie <laughs> loach. Oh, my God. I'm going to reach over there and smack you. I'm sorry. But before a storm, like before there's any, any real signs of a storm coming... They'll freak out and start swimming rapidly up and down the water column. Mm. So definitely some animals know what's going on. Oh, absolutely. No, that's true. There's something to it. Like I, I've been saying it for years. People of my family can tell when there's an impending thing that's happening. I was stockpiling toilet paper before the, st- the toilet paper shortage started because I knew that people were going to start freaking Wait, out. Why didn't you way. tell me to stockpile toilet I just, paper? I can't tell you, man. It's sorry. It's every, it was every person for themselves <laughs> during that time, man. You, if you... you because every know, pack of toilet paper like, I get is one you if, don't. If people, you know, 20 years from now are listening back on this, you had to have been there to know about the great toilet paper shortage okay, so, of 2020. So you can foretell these events, but you can't tell anyone about it. Yeah, I don't Kinda tell Kind of like that paranormal <laughs> society who found the cabin, no, but they can't tell anyone no, about it. I'm choosing not to say it because it's for my own same benefit thing. that I don't tell you. Same That's thing. not the same. It might be for their own benefit that they're maybe, not telling people. Maybe. I'm just saying, live by your own standards. You weren't even going to let patrons off the hook for it. But yet, you'll commit similar situations. Mm. Your mind's been rotted by the coochie loach. I'm sorry. Coolie! <laughs> it's not hard to say. Make a doctor's appointment. <laughs> sorry, they got they make creams for that. Oh, my God. But anyway, that was, uh, that was something we got off track on, on that a little bit. I think that, uh, no, I think that, I think that, I think that there is something to that when, uh, when people are talking about the Mount St. Helens eruptions and what that did that cause a massive migration. I mean, Fred himself even talks about that a lot of the Bigfoot in the area is even actually have migrated. Oh, yeah, I'd, be- I'd believe that. If they were living in that area, they're going to go off in all directions looking for any place mm-hmm. safe for them to habitate. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, now, do you want to get into Fred's book or do you want to talk about why I think they're real? Oh, your dealer's choice. So, one of the things that, that you have to ask yourself, and uh, actually, truthfully, we'll get into Fred's book for the patron section. Because I got enough, sure. man, that I think that I can stretch this. So, uh, I started I started researching, like, around that particular part of the country. Did you know what state actually has more Bigfoot sightings than any other state in the United States? Am I just taking a guess? Sure. Uh, I would first guess Washington. You would be absolutely correct. So I went on to the Bigfoot Researchers Organization website. They have so many Bigfoots, they have to start having bat yes. squatch encounters. Yes. So I went on the Bigfoot Research Organization. Uh, organization sorry, B- Bigfoot Researchers Organization, which is a organization of, of Bigfoot hunters since that have been collecting stories about Bigfoot since 1995, and have been collecting stories of Bigfoot sightings that go back well. To the 40s, I think, is whenever they put out their stuff. Noble people. Absolutely. So the number one state with the number one amount of Bigfoot sightings of stories they collected, Washington State, sitting in a nice 695 stories. You know the, the second state that comes even closest to that? Uh, sh- I have two guesses, Oregon or Kentucky. You're wrong on both. Florida. Really? I was shocked by that. 332 sightings. That's a far drop to number two. For the I'm, sightings of Bigfoot. I'm just surprised Florida, I, I, I wonder if it's a more, they have an atmosphere of sharing it. Mm-hmm. But they have a lot of wetlands and stuff, and Skunk Ape probably gets bunched in with that. Mm. Okay. And if you break that down, by the way, by county, you actually find something interesting. So the actual uh, county where the Great Battle of Ape Canyon took place was in Skamania County, which has the third, by the way, 
most Bigfoot uh, most Bigfoot sightings collected by that research organization. And if you actually break down the first to the fourth, they go down a straight line in the state of Washington along that mountain along the Cascade Mountain. You ranges. know what that sounds like? A wildlife corridor. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that's just their their, their progression, and you can just see like the sightings of it. And if I can put up the the actual uh, photo of it. Uh, I will for you guys, but you can just see how most of the actual sightings of Bigfoot in in uh, in Washington State actually go along that particular route. This red yeah, line that, right down there that showing I'm showing me saying, right now that yeah. looks like a wildlife corridor to me. Yeah, yeah, it's like number it's like number three, number two, number four, number one, like right stacked up on stacked up on top of each other. So yeah, I one yeah, so I one hundred percent believe that there are a lot of Bigfoot sightings that are gonna be coming over there, and then we're gonna get this massive congregation of six of them that are all gonna be necessarily in the same area. So I'm gonna ask you, man, why do you think that these got particularly violent? I mean, I'm, Vic is uh, is pretty uh, uh he's a big fan of the Bigfoot stories that make them sound like homeless people that are looking for peanut butter. <laughs> I really am. I really <laughs> that, am. That garbage. Anything that involves a Bigfoot foot stealing an apple pie out of a window is right up my alley. Those are my favorite <laughs> stories. It's just this bumbling moron that wants peanut butter and pies and just sneaking around your house trying yeah. to get your desserts. Those yes. are the stories I love. Yes. But, okay, why do I think that these ones got aggressive? Mm-hmm. I think it's because they're in a very isolated area. There aren't mm-hmm. any real roads there. They aren't probably that familiar with humans. Probably what's going on is this group of unknown creatures entered their territory, and they're trying to ward them off. I mean, the, the first things you're hearing is, like, these whistles back and forth. It's probably the ones that kind of patrol us. I'm going to somewhat assign chimp and bonobo behavior to them. That would be the ones that patrol the outskirts of their territory, sending off warnings that some unknown force has now entered. Uh-huh. After that, they're probably going to start showing up more often. That's why they're starting to spot them when they're out gathering things from the nearby wilderness. After they feel like they have a good grasp of them, they're going to then start um, asserting their dominance over the territory, which is, in many primates, throwing rocks. So you, that's where you get the rock throwing. They didn't immediately run, so they start getting more aggressive. That's why they're getting on top of the building. That's why they're trying to shake the shack. I think that this this set of events makes a lot of sense. It all has a good follow-through, and it almost even forms like a nice, concise narrative when looked at from the perspective of animal behavior. So uh, <clears throat> one comment that, that Fred makes in his book, and I'm not, slip, I'm, I'm not slipping even the best parts of the book yet. Um, that's for the patrons. But he says that... <coughs> The Native Americans of the area told him that these things will seek vengeance if you do them harm. And in Fred, and in the story, uh, Marion shoots at one of these things, and then later, and then I think Fred does too. So later, these things come back with even more of them, like they're seeking vengeance. Is this something that you see in primate-esque behavior? First, this is. N- not even the weirdest part of that specific story in the book. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm I'm leaving the good stuff for the patrons, man. You gotta. You're gonna. Have, I highly recommend signing up to be a patron just for this. But Trying to say, does a primate have a concept of vengeance is an incredibly complicated question. Now, they will respond to threats even if the threat has killed something out of the group or even if it's just simply attacked them. They will recognize that this thing is now a threat and then properly start to respond to it. Now, there have been cases in bonobos where... It does seem like they do have a concept of vengeance, or they do have this concept of getting back at something. And even lower primates have this ability to correlate series of events and make plans to address them. <clears throat> like there was a shy orangutan, and I forget which zoo, and it was previously believed that orangutans did not have this level of intelligence. But what it did was a little bit before the guests would start coming through, it would, it would start gathering stones and put them up on the branch he'd like to sit in. And then when guests would come through, he'd sit there and huck rocks at them to try to get them to go away. I mean, which I think ties in with this kind of vengeance sort of behavior. He didn't like it, so is now doing things to try to ward off this thing it does not like. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I would say they probably do have a concept of vengeance, but yeah. it's hard to scientifically prove that. I mean, it also just could just be, man, I just don't let those guys. Let's go mess them up because they, they were mean to me. 
Yeah, it could be that, or it could be as simple as we're going to protect our territory, which we know many animals can do. Yeah, I mean, these guys were probably blasting and making a lot of noise. They were tearing stuff up within the mountainside. And it could even be just something similar with them having unfamiliar scents. Absolutely, yeah. You know, these things, you know, they, they don't like these guys up there, so they're going to, like, get rid of them. I prefer to think of it something along these lines, because I like to assign, as much as I love the bumbling Bigfoot stories, but that's more because they entertain me. In actuality, I think they're probably fairly intelligent. And I prefer to think that they recognize that man is a threat to them and do what they can to remain as elusive as possible. In their mind, that means get these things as far away from here now so they don't try to build a settlement here. Now, they're not going to understand that the humans are going to go back, tell the stories, and then in a few seasons you're going to have these huge hunting parties. They're they're not going to understand that aspect of it. Like... A lot of people will try to tell me that they don't think there's an intelligence like in Big Whispers, but I'm just saying, even if you look at some of those weird ones where you sneak into your, to your house stealing pies and peanut butter and stuff, like, it, it still reminds me a lot, man, of looking at just people at Walmart trying to, like, graze the freeze samples, yeah. man. It's the same thing, man. You got, like, just, just large-ass people just, uh, just grazing off something, just staring out in the distance when they're caught. I mean, you can assign this sort of behavior to dumb humans. <laughs> and I'm not going to say just because they do this sort of bumbling antics, that means humans are less intelligent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I We're mean, just currently viewing one that's a little dumb. Uh, I'm just saying, <laughs> have you ever, like, actually taken a spoonful of peanut butter and eaten it? Yeah. Tons of times. Yeah, you Tons look, you look dumb. You know, you don't look like the most intelligent creatures while you're doing it. I'm not saying you're not smart and you can't write the great American novel and not look, you know, kind of, kind of like Harry from the Hendersons at the same time. The issue time. is the optics on it are bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not that they are actually dumb for doing yeah. it. The optics are bad. Like the Bigfoot stealing the pie out of the window still. The optics are that it looks like some <laughs> dumb animal that's going to steal the pie and run off like a hobo eating it. <laughs> but you could just as easily spin that narrative into this is a clever animal, perhaps clever humanish animal, that is now exploiting a resource that right. another group is leaving unattended. And it could be cunning as much as it could be dopey. It's just the narrative on the optics is that it's dopey. So here's something that I think that's interesting. So they claim that they shot this thing. And I bet that they probably could have actually gone back to look for this. Do you think that they actually killed that Bigfoot when they shot and fell off the gorge? Or what do you think ended up happening when they couldn't find the body? It's hard to say because it seems like these things have a huge bullet-carrying capacity. Like, Like we were talking about earlier. I was talking about how... Like an emu can take many bullets before it starts to slow down. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this might have just stunned him and knocked him off the cliff, and he he might have just went home. Right. I definitely understand why they might not have went down to look at the body, because keep in mind they're in an isolated area. They have to take a ford to get back. What are you going to do with the body when you find it? Exactly. You can't really take it back with you. And beyond that, we don't have the details on the cliff, but there's been times where I'm trying to get to somewhere in the wilderness, and I've ran into like a large ravine. And been like, how the hell am I getting around this thing? Yeah. Well, also too, if there is a, uh, if there's an intelligence behind Bigfoot, you know, if they're out there, they've been able to dodge us. That means that they prove their intelligence. I mean, if they have something even remotely comparable to humans, you know, the there was a lot of them that knew this particular area. I mean, and how many humans aren't just going to let a body, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. laying around? If you saw like if we ever find a body anywhere, even if we don't, even if we don't know who that is. We're going to move it. Yeah, like they could have some form of burial rite that we're unfamiliar with. And they might be just taking the bodies with them. Right. You know, you know that's some of the very first signs of like human intelligence when we find early remains of like finding some like real early uh, like burial grounds, you know, of, of human remains. And even if you don't want to look at like a spiritual thing, you can, ex- you can just consider it a, pra- a practical aspect of a society because leaving bodies around to rot encourages disease. Do you think Bigfoot could take a bear? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, or, 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 or attracting it, man? I think that... Wait, what bear? What type of bear? Mm, what bear is up there? Those are Kodiak. I think they're Kodiak bears up there. Kodi- yeah, Kodiak bears are dangerous and they're big. Yeah. Uh, I would say, yes, A. I think that they could take a Kodiak bear. Mm, yeah. Because they're going to be smart enough to probably pick up a tree and yeah. use that. The, 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 the issue is... The bear has teeth, it has claws, it has all these tools for really mangling something. Bigfoot's got his stubby fingers for getting peanut butter out of yep. hard-to-reach places out of the jar. But the thing is, they seem, to <laughs> like, they seem to like to rip up trees, which means they're going to be strong as hell. Uh, they seem to be somewhat smart. They might just use tools to kill it like at reach, like a large stick or something. Mm-hmm. 
Or they'll use their Mystic Bigfoot powers to whammy it. Yeah, they'll just start teleporting around. I'm pretty sure if you could take a bullet, you could take a swipe from a from a Kodiak bear. I, be- I believe that they could definitely take at least one swipe from a bear. Because yeah. the thing is, like, Neanderthals. When we look at Neanderthals, there's a lot of signs that they could go toe-to-toe and take hits from megafauna. Like, they could fight, like, a woolly really rhino and take some hits and not just die like a human would. <laughs> they're bigger, they're more durable, their muscles are different. They're strong enough to survive a hit. Hey, remember that? I didn't hear no bell. Yeah, it's just like that sort of thing. Actually, she probably would have been like, probably that would be. But like, we could assign the same traits to something like right. this and say, yeah, it could probably take a swipe, maybe two, maybe three from a large bear before it starts having like major bleed out problems. Yeah. So before we get into Fred's book and some of Fred's thoughts on this thing, what what are your final thoughts on the the great battle? Of Ape Canyon. I think that we're looking at the natural consequence of invading a primate's territory. Like I said, this follows a very clear, concise narrative that fits other primates we know. I think it's a human primate. Other people can argue that. Mm-hmm. But I think that this is just a natural follow-through. Yeah, I I, th- I think that they should replace this with uh, teaching the French Revolution in school. Like I think like, this, what? Is, I think they should like no longer teach the French Revolution. They just said replace it with the oh. Battle of, of. These are great American heroes. That the like the GI knows. Like I'm <laughs> these Bigfoots G. take. GI knows. <laughs> this is man's country, not Bigfoot country. Oh man, <laughs> that's 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 what I think. Now, man, I 100 believe these guys saw Bigfoot. Man, there is just something weird going on in Washington. You just look at account, man. It's in the same spot where there's. There's a major hotspot for sending Bigfoots. I, I 100% believe, I 100% believe these guys started they encountered something. So definitely stick around in the later part of this uh, episode. Definitely send me a Patreon, man, because this book's a wild ride, by the way, where we're going. But uh, leave your thoughts in the comments below. What do you guys think about this thing? Do you guys think that do you guys believe Fred and his uh, and Mary and all of them? Do you think that they made it up? Do you think something else happened? Do you think they ate random mushrooms and they just started hallucinating the great great battle of Ape Canyon? We didn't even get Which into is that. Something we actually were talking about yeah, beforehand. There's like five known species of like hallucinogenic <laughs> plants just, I think, in Washington State alone. Uh, so what do you guys think about that? Leave the comments below. If you guys uh, uh, are listening to this anywhere, don't forget to leave us a like. If you're listening on YouTube, not only subscribe, hit that notification bell so that way you guys can stay up to date whenever we put out new, uh, new content. Um... If you're leaving, listening anywhere where you can leave us a review, please leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, all those fun places like that. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of this podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up for as little as a dollar a month. You get the rest of this awesome podcast as well as bonus videos that we put up exclusively for our Patreon such as our upcoming video that we're going to be discussing, the crawler, which is going to be. Ooh, fun. I'm very excited about that one. Which is which is going to be fun. <clears throat> I've um, been pitching that one to you mm-hmm, for a while. Mm-hmm. So for as little as two dollars a month, you get uh, you get the uh, ability to vote on our patron poll, where you get to uh, decide the theme of our month. Uh, so look, it's look like October. Currently winning by a slight major, uh, majority is missing four one one. Followed uh, closely behind Ghost Towns, which Ghost Towns is creeping up, man. That's been one that's been on there since the beginning, so it's creeping up in popularity. I mean, I would love to talk about Missing 411, but also we can do a lot with Ghost Towns because we personally like to investigate Ghost Towns. That's yeah, something for we do. a long time on our case files, our, like, a town was was usually, like, the, the actual, like, season finale for them. So, um, so that's awesome. So, all right, man. So, I'm going to bust into... I need another beer because I, I I finished off my Oktoberfest. I'm so out. where's I drink my both of my beers well, already? I'm I'm sure you will do better next time. <laughs> here, pop that over here. I'm gonna finish off one of the purple hazes, uh, purple haze raspberry lager that we had from last time. That was actually pretty good. Actually, do you know what I have over here? What do you have over there? I have the uh, bottle opener that Adam Mathers gave me as a wedding gift. Would you like a warm stone tangerine express hazy IPA? Oh yeah, I, warm. I personally do not room temperature. I don't mind room temperature beer. Room temperature beer. So, are you more of a wine person or a beer person? Beer, uh, with the exclusion of apple wine. I love beer, but I also love the hell out of wine. I think I like wine and need a little any, more than beer. beer. Any, any apple involving apples is waiting for me to go. Oh.